You are listening to the Single Mom Cast by Arise Ministries. This podcast was created with you, the single mom, in mind. And over this series, we are going to introduce you to three powerful women who have all walked in your shoes as a single mom. They were brave enough to sit down with us, film a Bible study called This Is My Story, where they each told their personal story. And now we're going to dig a little bit deeper in these podcasts. I want to introduce you to one of my best friends, a former single mom, the world's finest nurse, a darn good baker, and my favorite workout partner because she is such a good baker. (laughs) Melissa Adams, welcome to the Single Mom Cast. We are so glad you're here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I think all of those things are true about you. Do you do you agree? Yeah, maybe not like the world's finest nurse, but I do really like to bake and I like to eat it, which is why we have to sweat it out on the treadmill. Yes, it is the story of our lives. Okay, so not the world's finest nurse, but how about Oklahoma's finest nurse? I'll take that title. Yeah, it's a small state. I've been, I've been doing this a while. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I did a great job introducing you, but how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? So we have three kids. I was a former single mom. One of them is 18, uh, which is terrifying thinking about sending a not really adult out into the world. Uh, But I guess we were all that, that person at one point in time. We have 12 and then soon to be 10. Life is a little crazy, I feel like, at times. But yeah, I work full-time. I've been a mom full-time. The Lord has really blessed me through through just some struggles and some choices that I made early on in my life uh, that maybe were not so good. And so getting to experience the goodness of Him even through those trials uh, has been really awesome. Yeah, and I have loved having a front row seat to that. So thanks for being my friend. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for sweating it out with me. Yeah, and we do. We don't just work out together. Like I said, we eat carbs together and do some other things. Our kids are very similar in age, and so the Lord just, he knew we needed each other. Yeah, let's be honest. We really do a lot less working out and a lot more just living life together. Yes, that's true. If we walked as much as we talked. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) That's another podcast for another time. (laughs) Okay, so I had mentioned that we you sat down with us to do a Bible study called This Is My Story. And if you haven't had a chance, go to arisesinglemoms.com and look up the Bible study. Man, these stories are phenomenal. What the Lord did with it is just incredible. Um, So I want to talk about that for a moment, because in this Bible study, you tell your story of how you suddenly became a single mom, um, which was not a part of your college plan at the ripe young age of 19. Is mm-hmm. that okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, walk us through that experience. You know, I've, I feel like I've told my story so many times and it doesn't matter how many times I tell it. I think it always validates and also shocks me a little bit of just God's goodness and grace in our lives. But yes, I was 19. I was a freshman in college. I suddenly found myself uh, pregnant. You know, sometimes when we're that age, we just don't make great choices. And through that, you know, I always like to say nothing happens by mistake in God's world. And if you truly believe that and you truly believe that God is in control, uh, then you know that if you trust him, he has better things in store for you. 
And I think for me, you know, I like to say that my roadmap really started uh, with Jesus whenever I found out I was pregnant, because I think when you find yourself in a situation where you're not in control and, you know, you can't fix it, um, you don't really have another choice if you feel that, you know, God is the be it all, uh, but to just look to him and, and just say, you know, what do you want me to do? Mm. And so that's, that's what I did. I'm not going to tell you it was easy because at first I felt like my world was crumbling. I felt like all of a sudden I was this person that everyone was putting the spotlight on when really in all actuality, that wasn't even true. You know, I felt like the church that I was in looked down on me. Again, those are just lies from the devil. And so I found myself in this this situation where, you know, I had to make a choice of what I was going to do. And I, I just had to lean into Jesus, uh, which is something that I, you know, I think when you're a young kid, it's really easy to talk the talk, but not walk the walk. And I was really good at doing that. You know, I could make anybody believe that I was just this wonderful, sweet Christian girl, and I just, you know, didn't make mistakes and blah, blah, blah. You know, in all actuality, I was just another kid uh, making mistakes. And so... When I your, found out, but your mistake, you couldn't hide it because it shows. Right. It shows in your body. Yeah. that's yeah. that's the hard thing with with this with pregnancy. Whenever it is unplanned, that it's one of those things where you feel yeah. like everyone is everybody sees your sin at your mistake. And yeah, I mean, you can do things in hiding, but the thing is, is that when something happens and you find yourself in that situation, you have to face the consequences to other people. And I think sometimes it's really easy to hide. And we have a saying in our house, you know, natural consequences. You do something wrong and there is a natural consequence for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to live that out. And, man, you talk about humbling. Uh, but I think, you know, Jesus has a really great way of humbling us and showing us that it doesn't matter what we've done. You know, to him, we are the child of God that he created. He loves us. He still finds us worthy of him. And so... I really just dug into him, and I, and I found myself in a place where I said, okay, like, this is it. Let's do this. And there started my journey. I'm super thankful that you were wise enough as a 19-year-old, <laughs> um, because I think there's a lot of unwise opportunities you could have taken and fallen away from the Lord and pushed community away. And so the hindsight to look back and go, man, I leaned on him then as a 19-year-old. And that can tell you how wise she is now 18 years later. Don't do the math. We're, we're both sitting here talking about our gray hairs. Um, but to, I, I need you to know if she was that wise at 19, like one of the reasons why I keep her so close to me is she is my Holy Spirit junior. She is my words of wisdom. And I know that sometimes she will speak really awesome biblical truth, but she's also that friend that will like get super fired up and protect me at all costs. And I'm so thankful that I have this warrior next to me. You've said something that I want to ask you. Are you getting teary eyed? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I love you. I had to point that out because I need our listeners to know that you're a real person. What are you feeling? What are these emotions? You know, I just, I think about being that young kid and I think about Mm -hmm. the fact that I, so as a nurse, uh, I worked emergency room for many years in a lower income area. And, 
you know, I've had this conversation with, I don't even know how many girls. Uh, I used to have a physician be like, Melissa, where's Melissa? She's up. I need her. And he said, you know, I'm a dad of five kids. Uh, This is not, I, I can't do this. And so, you know, I just think back of all those times that I've counseled those girls. And I think, man, you know, my experience was tough, but I felt like, I felt like God truly blessed me in that situation, uh, but also blessed me with, you know, sometimes we think of mistakes as being something that we're going to pay for for the rest of our life. And my mistake was by far one of my greatest accomplishments, Hmm. but it also, I think it also allowed the Holy Spirit to hone my gift a little bit of not being afraid to rely on God, even when things are not going well. Yeah. I I sent this verse to a friend of mine yesterday, and it's just timely because I don't have this memorized. I'm not trying to act like that person. So I just pulled it back up because everything you're saying is making me think of this verse. And so I want to read it to you and the listeners. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And I think that you should maybe just paint this verse on your wall or something. This is this is your verse. This is in the uh, Passion Translation. Um, it says, it focuses a little bit more on something. D- well, anyways, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> I love I love this version of it. It says, um, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. I just, I want to say that again, that God's power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And you had no idea. We are calling it a mistake, but for the sake of this verse, let's call it a weakness. You had no idea that your weakness was going to be a portal, even in this moment. Like this this moment is a portal to God's power because of that moment. A hundred percent. I crazy. You know, I like to say I could not have had the conversations and affected the girls that I have in the past and even present um, without going through my life struggles. And, you know, there's no testimony without the story. And everybody has one. And some, you know, some testimonies are deeper than others. Some have more content than others. But I think, you know, that's the, that is the wonderful thing about human is that God gives us the option to make choices. Yeah. And even when we make choices that are not good, he knows. You know, I like to say maybe whatever whatever I experienced wasn't for me at that time. Maybe it's for somebody 10, 12, 18 years down the road. And and it has been. Like I look at the girls who I have affected and who I've talked to and who I've counseled and I could not have done that because they wouldn't have listened to me had I not had the same story as them. Yeah. Well, thanks for being brave enough to tell your story. I know that I know that's a really big deal. When we were talking about doing this Bible study um, on the treadmill, of course, not around like a bowl of your baked bread with right. butter. Yeah. <laughs> 
she literally will randomly text me, look at these giant biscuits I just made. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Um, I asked you to pick one word that would describe your story. And I, I don't remember exactly, but I think you looked at me right away and you said, I know what my word is. My word is worthy. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. I remember you saying that we were on the treadmill and I just, it was literally like the very first thing that popped into my head and I was like, worthy. You know, I think so often, and we, you know, let's call it weakness. I like, I hate saying mistake because we all make mistakes. You know, the thing is, is that some of our mistakes, we suffer the consequences out in the open and out in the public. Yeah. And other times we get to sit in silence with them and nobody ever knows. And those can be just as bad as those that, you know, everyone sees. And so we all have weakness. I think that's just, that's just it. But I think there's times when we make choices that so drastically change our lives. You know, we, we have something that happens that changes the way that we see ourselves. It changes the way we feel about ourselves. And even though those are ultimately lies, you mean they're they're lies that the devil tells us because the last thing he wants is us running back to Jesus, right? And so I remember looking at you and just being worthy. I did not feel worthy for so long because I felt like the things that I had done had been so degrading to God and to Jesus, that how could he ever see me as being worthy again? And a little background, I grew up in church, um, kind of off and on. Um, my grandmother took me, I mean, I've been in church since I was really, really young. So I knew, you know, like, you know, all the right words, you know, all the right things to say. And I think oftentimes we don't understand what Jesus's love is until we find ourselves in a situation where we need him, like we truly need him. It's not until our faith gets tested to the point that we don't have any other options, you know, and those options can be that we run from him or that we seek him and his plan and his love and so I just remember feeling for the longest time that I wasn't worthy. I wasn't worthy of his love. I wasn't worthy of the love and even just respect, I guess, that people would give me. And so I remember graduating nursing school. So I went, I had him when I was a freshman. I ended up finishing four years of college with a toddler, uh, which I look back now and I'm like, dang, man, you can do a lot of things when you're in your 20s, like not sleep. If you can <laughs> do that, you can do anything, not just when you were in your 20s. I have so much respect for that. Yeah, it just, you know, it, it taught me perseverance, but I think also it taught me to find my worth in him because he carried me through that season. You know, and, and as hard as that season is, it wasn't even the hardest season of my life, you know, getting through different points in marriage and having, you know, crazy things happen and just times when your test or your faith is just really, really tested. 
And I think at the very beginning when I was experiencing all this, it just, I did not feel worthy of what God was pouring out on me, which is his grace and his love and his mercy. Well, I loved that you picked the word worthy as opposed to how you were really feeling in that moment, which was worthless. Oh, completely. And I know that the moms that have the opportunity, not just to listen from you today, but to watch that Bible study are going to walk away feeling more worthy because of your story. So I'm going to keep telling you, thank you for sharing it because I just can't wait to see what the Lord continues to do with it. Do you feel worthy today? You know, I do. Um, She's crying again in case you're wondering. <laughs> you know, I feel I'm, I, I feel so blessed. Uh, there's times that I think, you know, I could have been a statistic. Um, teen pregnancy is a really real thing here in Oklahoma. We're a leader. Uh, you know, we're always, you know, either number one or number two. Uh, and so I just feel so blessed that... God allowed me a way out, and I I took advantage of it. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't just me on my own, but it was that I had that desire. But you know, I think about how my life could be different and how it's it's not. You know, I look around me and I think of the amazing relationships that I have built. I have, you know, an amazing husband and three wonderful kids. You know, I have a husband who went on to adopt my son, which I always like to say. And you know, we have a we have a friend who's kind of in the same the same area. But I always like to say, anybody who is willing to take on somebody else's responsibility, that is a true mother or that is a true father, because anybody can have a baby and not be a part of that child's life. And so, you know, I think about that as a young single mom because I think what goes through your head is. Is life ever going to be what I think it should be? And I think sometimes until we give that up to God, because, you know, what we have procured in our mind is something oftentimes that the culture tells us that we need to have. And it wasn't until I really got to that spot in my life that I was like, God, this is this isn't my life. This is your life. And if you want me to be single for the literally the rest of my life, I'm cool with that. And. You know, for a while, it, it felt like that. And I, I just had to get to that point where I said, God, this, this is yours, not mine. Like, my son is yours. And I want the glory of all that has happened to be reflected back on you. And so I do. Like, sometimes it's overwhelming to think that what I have is so precious because so many people don't have it, mm-hmm. especially after having that statistical situation happen to them when they're young. Mm -hmm. I like when you were talking about um, you giving him to the Lord, it made me think of, I had this moment where I was praying for protection or I was praying for the Lord to do something for my boys. Um, And then I just, I think I got so busy trying to protect them and do all the great stuff for them that I stopped praying. Um, Sorry, God, I'm horrible. Um, and then I was going for a walk, and I had just they had just left for 45 days in the summer to be with their dad, which was some of the hardest um, seasons of my life. And I remember the Lord saying, hey, um, I love them more than you do. Mm. 
And at first you're like, uh, Duh. no, you don't. No, <laughs> I was like, no, nobody loves them more than I do. Um, but then I was like, yeah, well, duh, Lord. But then I let that set in that if I'm staying up at night and I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this. It's all I think about. I'm trying too hard. And he loves them more than I do. And I love that thought where you were trying all of these things and you wanted to make sure your son was good and had a great future. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll be. And the Lord was like, hey, I actually love him more than you. That's why I'm going to bring awesome Chad Adams into the picture. One of my top five favorite guys on the planet. Um, So I just love that. And I wanted to make sure the moms heard that little wisdom that the Lord gave me too, which was, hey, the Lord loves your kids more than you do. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just think so oftentimes we want to, because it really kind of is the only thing at the time we can control. You know, I think especially when you're single, it doesn't matter what age you are. When you're single and you just feel like, I just don't even know which way is up and which way is down. And, you know, you're working a bajillion jobs and you're just you're just trying to make it. So you're like, okay, I'm going to like control my child's safety. And it just kind of becomes all consuming at times. And so I definitely can relate to that point. And, you know, it's funny you say that. So uh, one thing I don't feel like I uh, maybe had when I was younger was wisdom. (laughs) obviously. Um, but that has really kind of been my word for my kid has been wisdom. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be choices that are made that, you know, we regret. And, you know, I, this is one of the things I, well, you know, I've led high school, small girl group for some time now. And, um, one of the things I like to talk about is don't make decisions that when you're in your, gosh, we're not in our mid-30s anymore, Mel. We're in Just our late 30s. Skim over it. Yeah. Our age starts with a three. That's yes. all that matters. <laughs> Rapidly approaching to the four. But I tell them, if you make mistakes, because you will, try not to be the ones that when you are older, you're standing in the shower by yourself and your thoughts, you know, basically elude your mind and... Um, You have to live with those because those are the things that don't go away. And so, you know, just making good decisions for him is really why my word of wisdom kind of came about. Well, and from what I can tell from where I sit, um, he's really picked up on those things. He is an 18 year old boy, but he's got some he's got some wisdom there. You've done a great job, Mom. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to pull us back to the Bible study for a moment. Because after you tell your story, I jump in and I try to relate every story to a story in scripture. And for you, when I was praying about you and your story, um, I remember calling you and I think you laughed. Um, Because I said, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell the story of Mark 5 and the bleeding woman. Um, And (laughs) I want to walk through this for a moment and then I want us to unpack it and let's talk about what the Lord did through you in this story and why it has anything to do with worthy. So in Mark 5, we find these two people who are on both sides of the spectrum of worthiness, Um, at least from culture and just everything we would tell ourselves. There's a really important guy named Jairus in this story. He's a synagogue leader, so he would have been like our uh, mega church pastor type guy, you know, the holy of holies, like really respectable guy. Um, Everyone knows who he is, and he has a lot of authority, and his daughter is about to die. 
And then we find on the other side a really sick woman whose name we don't even know. She was that important. Uh, We just call her the bleeding woman. And she had been sick for 12 years. We're going to let that set in, that for 12 years she has been bleeding and sick. And she had spent all of her money desperately trying to be healed. And in between both of these people stands... Jesus, the most worthy of all. And an important note in this story is that because she was bleeding, she was not allowed out in public. So she spent 12 years alone. Um, She's been told by law that she's unworthy. And like we talked about earlier, she cannot hide this. And then you have this Jairus. And so what happens is Jesus... uh, finds a Jairus who's fallen to his knees, which is a really big deal for a synagogue leader to do. And he's fallen at Jesus's feet. And he says, I need you to come heal my daughter. And Jesus, being Jesus, is like, okay, let's go. There's a crowd of people around me. The Pharisees are probably watching as usual. I will do that. And they begin walking to Jairus's house when through the crowd, this woman who should not have been there pushing through people who have told her she was unworthy, she reaches out. And scripture will tell you that she had enough faith to believe that if she just touched Jesus, just his clothes, that she would be healed. And the moment she touched, it says the hem of his garment, the moment she touched it, she was healed. And Jesus stops because the scripture says that he felt the power leave him, which is, a, I mean, If you can imagine this moment, the power that created the earth, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, all of that power in that moment left Jesus and entered this woman. And Jesus turns around, I believe a little sarcastically, and says, who touched me? And this is a big moment for me in this because he could have just kept walking and let the lady go back. And I'm sure all the eyes were just on her. And she was like, oh, Goodness, you know when you're the Lord exposes you. Have you ever been exposed? Mm. <laughs> Sadly, yes. But He does this in this moment because He is a advocate of storytelling. He wanted to make sure everybody knew what just like Jesus isn't going to let you go through something and bleed for twelve years and heal you and then you keep that in the closet. Like He had this moment because it says there was a crowd pushing around Him, so all of those eyes are on her in this moment. I imagine that. She was Jairus's worst enemy at this point because he's like, hello, my daughter. And by the time Jairus gets back to his house, his daughter is now dead. And Jesus, after he has this moment with her, continues on to the house, enters inside, asks some other people to leave. And he sits down next to the girl and he heals her. And then Melissa and I's favorite part of the story is Jesus says, you need to get this girl some food. Our J-man knows we, we got to eat after we have an experience with him. But man, in this story, what Jesus is doing with his actions is that he is shouting above all of the cultural norms and laws and reputations and even religions. With his actions, he's shouting, you are both worthy. You're both worthy. This uh, this story every time, you know. I I think about I think about the woman who she has so. I mean, the faith, like for her to just know 
if I can just touch the hem of his cloak, I will be healed. That kind of faith, every time I read this, I just, I think about that. You know, I think about the fact that for 12 years she suffered. You know, she suffered in probably in silence. She probably was alone. And to think even after 12 years, she knew and still had a desire that she could be healed. And that was all she had to do. But then, like you you talked about, you know, like the creator of the universe. And I kind of go back to, you know, where I said um, sometimes our experience isn't necessarily for us, but it's for somebody else, which really – can I use the word suck in here? I think so. Okay. Um, it really <laughs> kind of sucks because – that we don't want to do that. We don't want to do something for somebody else. Yeah. But I think about that. You know, she suffered for 12 years for I, I mean for Jesus to like then point her out. You know, like her story, how many people did it change that day? Like you can't tell me that in her little village people didn't know who she was. You know, they knew that she had been like not out in public and the bleeding woman for 12 years. Like they knew all that. And so for them to see that happen to her, you know, like to for them to see how much faith she had and to realize that she had been healed, you know, what an amazing, I don't, what an amazing example of just how wonderful Jesus is. And well, sorry to interrupt, but I'm thinking if he, I'm, I, I wish that we knew if there was ever this moment that Jesus went back to her. And what if, I think if we could interview her today and we could ask, was it worth it? She would be able to say, yeah, like he's worthy. You know, he's worthy of us. Yeah. You know, something I think about too is that she had to feel some sense of being worthy also because she felt worthy enough to go to him and to touch his cloak. Yeah. And, you know, I think at some point we do feel at times worthless. You know, at, at points in of our, our lives, we feel like we have screwed up so bad that there is no coming back. You know, in the Bible, that is not biblical. It's not what the Bible says. And, you know, it says, if, if you say that I am Lord and you denounce your sins, you know, you... You ask forgiveness for those sins, um, then he is yours. And I think that's just the whole basis is that she felt worthy enough to go to him. Um, and I think sometimes we have to get to that point where we realize nothing I ever, ever, ever do will make me worthy enough of his love and his mercy and his grace. But we are not worthless to Jesus. Yeah. And you know, and I think of I think of the man um, and the daughter dying. You know, I think of how he probably felt too. Like, dude, I have been living my life for you. You know, like I know all the scripture, I know all the rules, I, I know all the stuff, and my daughter is dying. And why is this happening? Because I think sometimes we want to put Jesus in the bo the box. You know, the box that says, "I did everything the way I was supposed to," and why is this happening to me in my life? And that's just. That's just not 
just not the way it goes. Like that's just not real life, even back then or now. But I still think about sometimes how we trust God. And and I can see that in my own life too. You know, once I kind of got to this position where I was like, okay, I'm trusting you, God. And I think sometimes we get this false security that if I trust you and I'm doing everything that you say I should, then nothing bad should happen to me. But that really, that's not biblical or scriptural either, because God says, like, we're going to have trials and tribulations. Right. But who are we to fall back on ourselves or Jesus? And it's it's ultimately always, always Jesus. And so I think about him, like, there had to have been this major frustration of my daughter is dying and you're, like, messing around with some, you know, issue of, like, this lady who's been sick for 12 years. Like, there's just this two sides of the coin and the fact that Jesus can, like he always does, show that we are all worthy of his love, his compassion, his mercy, and his forgiveness. I mean, that's just Jesus, you know. But I think the woman, every time I read that and I I think about just the way she must have felt, you know, walking through the city, because they probably were all staring. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we make mistakes in our lives that people can see. That's how we feel. You know, this wasn't even a mistake that she made. Like, this is just sometimes what happens to women. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, just to know that she had that kind of faith to go after him in that way. Like, I hope someday that I can have that type of faith. Yeah, she's inspirational for sure. I think of this story too sometimes when I pray and God isn't showing up fast enough. I think, oh, you're on your way. You're just busy. (laughs) Not that he can't multitask, but I love this idea of, well, maybe my prayer being delayed is the answer to somebody else's. And so oh, for sure. I love this story so much. Sure. I could talk about it for eight days. I have one more question for you. And then uh, you and I, shockingly, are going to go eat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this, one, this one might get you in the feels. I'm wondering if you could go back and talk to 19-year-old Melissa. What would you say to her? Yep. Oh, you know, there's so many times because I feel like I've I've said this to, to girls, but I think it's always different when you think about talking to yourself and, and what would you say to change? You know, how would you change the trajectory of your life? And, you know, I... This is so hard. I wouldn't say don't do it. I would say life is going to be hard. And I would say that you're going to make mistakes. And there's going to be things thrown your way that you can't fix. And there's going to be times that people say things that hurt. There's going to be times that you want to crawl underneath a rock and literally hide. But I think I would tell her that Jesus loves her no matter what she's done, that no sin that she could do 
could ever make him not love her. I would tell her that he is enough because for so long I wanted to fill that void with so many other things because it hurt. You know, mistakes hurt. Choices that are not good hurt. And sometimes those are the natural consequences um, because, you know, if nothing ever gets pulled tight or we don't feel the effects of making that decision, we'll just keep doing it over and over again, right? And so I would tell her that it's going to be all right, that God has a plan and it's greater than anything she could ever think, that she's stronger than she thinks she is. You know, I would tell her that God's design for her life may not look like what she thought it was going to, but that it is so much greater and that she's going to affect so many more people for the kingdom through it. You know, I don't think I ever thought in a million years that I would find myself being able to mentor young girls who I wished when I was a kid uh, I would have had. And so to be able to give that back, um, I would just tell her to keep on keeping on and trusting in Jesus because there's, there's blue skies ahead. Um, and he, he truly is the master of our future. Amen. Hey, thanks for telling your story, uh, on video and now on podcast and, um, for trusting the Lord to use it. Um, I'm so thankful that there are moments where I sometimes doubt that God is who he says he is and people like you prove to me that it's all true. So thank you so much. I know that our moms listening are just feeling hopefully a little worthy today um, because you're so worthy, Melissa, and so is he. This is the story of being worthy. This is our story. This is your story. You are worthy. You're worthy because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are worthy because God made you in his image. You're worthy and your story can paint a picture that proves that God makes us all worthy. So moms, go live your stories and tell your stories um, and show your kids a story that they are worthy too because of Jesus. And we just hope that you can take some time to check out the Bible study, This Is My Story. Because we know that as you watch and hear these powerful and encouraging, heartfelt stories, that you're going to walk away encouraged and challenged as you listen, um, not only to these podcasts, but uh, to those Bible studies. We have worthy, we have perfect, and we have alone. Those are the three words that our, our moms picked for that. So you can find that Bible study on our website at arisesinglemoms.com. And we hope that you have a wonderful day walking in the light of worthy. 